Hi, and welcome to Fun With Science. I'm Steve, and this is Carrie, and we are two worship musicians who really don't know what to do with chemicals, but we're supervised, so it's okay. Today, what we're going to do is, Carrie, being our resident pyro, is going to put fire next to flash powder, which burns bright and bright. So, <laughs> she's gonna put fire by it, and we'll see what happens. Take it away, Carrie. And, drum roll, please. <laughs> yes! Yes! <laughs> How we doing, Heritage? Doing well? Having a good weekend? Good. Well, I'll tell you what, before we jump in the word today, can you join me in just showing some appreciation for our worship team? I tell you, as a church, we are blessed to have a worship team at each one of our campuses that lead us so faithfully before the throne of God in worship, aren't we? I mean, we are blessed as a church uh, to have men and women who serve so faithfully. So thank you to those who have led today, those of you who are on the teams that maybe aren't up here today, uh, but that lead faithfully at other times. So with that, I want to welcome those of you at our Bettendorf campus, those I call the Bettendorf crazies, so to speak. Uh, those of you at our QC West campus, this weekend is your campus pastor, Steve Gotson's birthday. So make sure you love him and show him some appreciation. Uh, we have some great campus pastors, don't we? Uh, Jason Shanks over at Bettendorf, thank you for what you do. Steve Gotson and then Dan Shouse here. Uh, we are blessed as a church. We are blessed as a church. And of course, I want to welcome you here at Rock Island. I'm excited to be here with you and those of you joining online. Uh, my name is Justin, and I am part of the ministry team here at Heritage. In fact, I am the newest, still the reigning newest pastoral staff member here at Heritage Church. And so um, after, you know, as we got together as a ministry team and we started to plan out this series, we realized that we were going to have two consecutive weeks of communicators and preachers who would have full heads of hair. And so and to remove any anxiety from anyone here, those of you joining at our campus, we made sure that we put the bald guy right in the middle, okay? So step back, take a deep breath. Uh, you, there's some normalcy here this week. So if you have been with us over the last six weeks, we have been as, on a journey as a church looking at the letter of Colossians, exploring the chain reaction that our faith in Jesus Christ has on our everyday life. In fact, if you've been here, you know that we have talked about this God, our God, who sent his son, who in Colossians 1, it says that everything was created through him and for him. He sent his son, Jesus Christ, into his creation as a rescuer to rescue each one of us from a life apart from him. And as we make a decision to follow Jesus and give our life to him, the scripture says that he puts his Holy Spirit within us and his spirit teaches us and gives us the knowledge of what it takes to live a life that is worthy of him. And the beautiful thing is we live lives that are worthy and we walk forward in obedience. Our God blesses us with things like joy and love and patience and peace. And so if you have missed any of the last six weeks, I encourage you, go back to heritageqc.com, click on the media tab, take a look at those, because what we're going to do today is we are going to build on that foundation of the last six weeks. So I encourage you, go back. I'm going to do my best to kind of catch you up if you're here for the first time, or maybe you missed some weeks, but it's, it's worth it. Go back and check that out. 
Well, in the course of this, uh, the first two chapters, we came across a passage in Colossians chapter 1, verse 21, where it says this. Now listen, it says, You and I were once alienated from God. And not only were we alienated from God, it says that we were enemies in our minds because of our evil behavior. But it goes on to say, but now. Everyone say, but now. But now. Let's do it again. But now. It says that he has reconciled us through Christ's physical body, through death, to present us, listen to this, holy in his sight, without blemish, and it gets even better, it says, and free from accusation. Now that's the gospel, isn't it? That our God sent his son, Jesus Christ, he did whatever it took to pay the price for us, not just so that he could forgive our sins, but that he could present us as holy people, without blemish, free from accusation. Now that's great news, isn't it? That's great news. We also seen that it talks, at one point it says that we were dead in our sins, but praise God, we are now alive because of Christ, right? We were once dead, but now we are alive because of Christ. And last week, Steve took us through a journey as we looked at the reality that there is not a checklist or a to-do list that you and I can walk out that will gain favor with God or that will grant us relationship with God. The reality that you, we, it's not this legalistic pattern that we follow that gives us favor with him. It's through a relationship with Christ and Christ alone. And so we've seen this reality of the gospel that our God has set us free. He has reconciled us. He has made a way for our sins to be forgiven. And he has given us new life. But what I want to propose to you today is that if we have given our lives to Christ and the only thing that we experience is the forgiveness of our sins and this new life in him, as incredible as that is, I think we're missing a piece of what God has for us. Now what I'm about to tell you, if you don't get anything else out of this weekend services, please hear this phrase. And I hope it rings through your mind and it's simply this. God wants to not only forgive your sins, he wants to transform your life. God not only wants to forgive your sins, he wants to transform your life. Now it is great news that our God has made a way for our sins to be forgiven, but he wants to help us break free from the patterns of sin that are in our life. And so today as we turn to Colossians chapter 3, um, it's important to understand. In fact, if you have your Bible, flip there, uh, electronic device, iPad, whatever you do, the scripture will be up on the screens as well. But to understand that Paul has spent the first two chapters of Colossians kind of building this theological foundation, so to speak. Okay? He was combating some of the, the ideas of the time that there were all these different pagan religions and the believers were kind of mixing religions together. It's called syncretism. And so Paul spends the first two chapters of this book or this letter to the Colossians kind of building a foundation so that we understand who God is, what does it mean to be saved, and what does that mean for us as we move forward. But now as we enter into chapter 3, this is kind of that shift. Paul turns his attention to, it's like the chain reaction, right? How does our faith in Christ, what reaction does that have on the way that we live? This is kind of that, that moment. Or if you remember in the bumper video, this is the moment when um, the flash powder is there and Carrie's sitting there getting ready to light it. And I saw your faces light up. We got some pyros in the room, okay? And it's that moment where there's the ignition and the, the flash hits and it's this bright light. And this is where Paul, in chapter 3, turns his attention. And so if you're with me, check out chapter 3. Let's start in verse 1 together. It says this, Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also 
will appear with him in glory. What Paul is saying here is that, listen, if you have made a decision to follow Christ, our entire inner disposition should change from focusing on the things of this world, whether it's the, the lure of, of wealth or prestige, or, or if it's the, the, the need to be recognized or to have more, or maybe it's even some of the circumstances of our life in which things go wrong. And he's saying, listen, as a follower of Christ, our entire inner disposition should change to focus on Jesus. In other words, what he is saying is kind of like a compass points due north. As a believer and as a follower of Christ, our compass is to point due north and focus solely on the cross. Now in, chap- in, in verse 3, it goes on to say that, For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ. Now here is the reality that Paul is saying is, Listen, if you have made a decision to follow Christ today, you have made the decision to die to yourself and to let Christ live in you. Paul says it another way in Galatians 2 in which he says, For I have been crucified with Christ and no longer live, but Christ lives in me. He's saying, in effect, I have made a decision to die and let Christ live in me. But he goes on in that passage, and I love this, and he says, But the life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. In other words, Paul is saying, listen, I'm still here. I'm still breathing. But the life that I live in this body today, I live by faith in the Son of God. And so today, if we have made decisions to follow Jesus Christ, the reality is, it's not about us at all. It's about him living in us. Now today, we're going to look at a few things that Paul points out um, that should be transformed in us as followers of Christ. And so let's check that out. Check out verse 5. He says this, Put to death, therefore, what belongs belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived. Now what Paul is saying is, listen, he's writing to the believers and saying, look, I know that you're on a journey. I know that you have a story. I know that there is sin in your past and things that you have done that have fallen short of the glory of God. But because you are in Christ and because you have made a decision to die and to let Christ live in you, he's saying, put to death these things. Paul is writing to a culture that is just inundated with these sexually charged messages. In fact, wherever they went, they would have seen these sexual indiendos everywhere. In fact, this was a culture where sex outside of marriage was the norm in which some of these pagan religions that were going on around them, sex was a way of worship. But what he is saying is, listen, if you are a follower of Christ today, put these things to death. Put to death the sexual immorality within you. Sexual immorality is a uh, kind of a general term, an overarching term that kind of describes the sexual sin and, and everything else that falls short of God's glory and God's purpose and plan for sex. In fact, it is this word, this word here, sexual immorality, that we derive our word pornography Now, let's be clear. Pornography isn't just something that you can view on your phone. It's not just something you can look up on an internet site. It's not just something you see in a magazine. The reality is pornography can happen in our minds. And Paul is saying, listen, as a believer of Christ, put that stuff to death. Leave that behind. He goes on to talk about impurity. 
Kind of that idea that you and I, or the, the believers at the time, could, could turn just something that even is good. We can kind of turn it 15 degrees, 20 degrees, 30 degrees, and kind of miss the mark. We can, the impure idea of what's happening in our minds. He talks about put to death, lust. I mean, this is the whole idea that we want quick fulfillment, but we don't want to provide the commitment. He talks about evil desires. He's saying, listen, all these things that are, that are contrary to what God has for us in his word and the law and what you have heard in Jesus' teaching and, and in some of the teaching there at the church, put that stuff to death. He talks about greed. This is the whole idea of just constantly wanting more, never being satisfied. I've got to have more, 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 more. And finally, he says, listen, idolatry. This, is, this was the reality that people would put themselves on the throne. And so they would surround themselves with people or things that would bring satisfaction to them or glory to them because they were the king on the throne. And Paul's saying, listen, if you've given your life to Christ, put those things to death. In other words, what he's saying is our relationship with Christ should lead to transformed desires. Transformed desires. This is the work that God wants to do in us. Not just forgive our sins, not just forgive us of the areas that we've fallen short here, but to set us free, to transform our lives, to transform our desires. He continues in verse 8 when he says this, But now you must rid yourself of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices. So Paul not only says that our relationship with Christ should lead to transformed desires, he says, hey, that should lead to a transformed attitudes. Transformed attitudes. He says, I know that in the life that you once lived, in your old self, in your old practices, that you would respond, that you would lash out in anger and in rage. And you might act out in malice or slander and talk, talk crazy about other people and, and talk behind their backs and, and try to create division. He's saying, listen, that's part of your old self. Walk away from those things. And then our words, just those toxic words, and you know what I mean. What he, you know what he's saying when he's writing to the believers in that time. He's saying, that is part of your old nature, part of your old self. Put that stuff away. And he says, replace those things with this. Take a look at verse 12 with me. He says, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have with each other. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Can we be real for a moment? Life can be tough, can it? circumstances can come up in our life that just aren't fair. I mean, things happen to us that just, quite frankly, we don't deserve. And sometimes people come into our lives that can, they can be tough, right? <laughs> you know, people that come across your path and they're just hard to deal with and, and you try your best to interact with them and, and work with them, but it's just really hard. Now listen, sometimes these are the people that we love the most. These are the people that are closest to us but yet they can be so difficult to deal with. But what Paul is saying is, listen, there was a way that you once did it. When somebody would cross your path or do something to you that you didn't like, you'd lash out in anger, you'd lash out in rage, and like we used to talk about in, in Michigan where I came from, you want to go get a brother. That's what we used to say, right? <laughs> but what he is saying is, listen, not anymore. 
That's the old you. That's the old practices. He said, listen, when somebody crosses your path and they're tough to work with, rather than lashing out in anger and rage, how about you respond with patience and kindness and gentleness? When circumstances come up in your life that just aren't fair and you're struggling and you're going, Lord, where are you? Rather than respond in anger and bitterness at him or at other people, respond with patience and knowing that our God says that I will work out all things for the good of those that love me. In other words, there is a hope that our God is working on our behalf. And if I'm just patient, I'll see him do the miraculous. Our God doesn't just want to transform our desires. He wants to transform our attitudes. It leads to a transformed mind. It leads to a transformed relationships with other people. Now, there's one more thing that he wants to transform within us. And it's found in verse 10. Take a look with me. It says this. And you have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the image of its creator. Here there is no Greek or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free. But Christ is all, and he is in all. About three and a half months ago, my wife and I moved uh, to the Quad City area. And our son, our son Maddox, is uh, about two years old, a little, bit, a little bit less than two. I mean, he's kind of the mini-me with blonde hair that you see running around the lobby, right? He's the kid that you go, where is his parents? And well, here I am, okay? <laughs> here I am. So anyways, we moved to the Quad Cities. And in our effort in, in looking around the communities, you know, to find a place to live, we fell in love with Davenport, Iowa. We did. I mean, as we met people, as we, as we interacted with the culture, as we drove around, I mean, for us, as we prayed and we pursued, this was home. I mean, we knew that. So we found a home, and of course, we got two years to get unpacked. You guys know how it goes, right? Just get unpacked when you get there. And so what's fascinating is that as I've interacted with people, met some of you, met some of those out in the community, one of the first questions they ask is, well, where did you move? Like, what city did you move to? And I'll tell them the story. You know, we, we just love Davenport. We love the people. We found a house, you know, in central Davenport. And some of the responses are just fascinating in our community. Now, those who live in Iowa, I'll interact with them and they'll say, you made a great decision, right? You picked the right side of the river. And I'm going, well, what does that mean? You know what I mean? And so, you know, but what's funny is those on the other side of the river, you know, I come over to Illinois and I interact with one, one guy, I'm talking to him, he's out in the community, and, and he says, he looks at me, he goes, where'd you, where'd you move? I said, Davenport, excited about it, and he looked at me and he goes, oh, you're one of those. <laughs> I'm like, I've lived here two weeks, can you help me understand what you just said? <laughs> Or for some, my, my primary office is located here at Rock Island, and um, I have the pleasure of working at, at all of our campuses, but my primary office is here, and I had somebody say, well, why did you move all the way over there? And I go, well, wait a minute, it's 20 minutes away, come on, you know? But what's funny is what I found is in our community, some of us find our identities in the city that we live in or the side of the river that we live in. What's even more fascinating is even in Davenport, I get the question, well, are you in North Davenport? Are you in West Davenport? Are you north or south of this road? And I'm going, oh my goodness, you know? But isn't it funny what we find our identities in? You know, whether it's the city that we live in, what side of the river, the neighborhood that we live in. For some of us, it's the type of work that we do. It's whether we have a job or we don't have a job, what kind of car we drive. It's fascinating what we find our identities in, isn't it? 
So when Paul writes this in verse 10 to the, to the church in Colossae, he is writing to a group of believers who were being divided by multiple things. They were finding their identities in the wrong thing. And what he was saying is, listen, Christ is all and he is in all. So as followers of Christ, when we have made a decision to die and he lives in us, our identity is found in him. Our identity is found in him. He references there's neither Jew nor Greek. This is a direct reference to a cultural divide, a racial divide. He says, listen, the Jews thought maybe they were a little better on the hierarchy chain of of believers, right? He says, listen, our identity is in Christ. He goes on to say circumcised or uncircumcised. This was a difference of um, kind of some some thought that that there was, if you were a circumcised believer, you were a little bit better off than the uncircumcised believer. Paul says that's not true at all. He goes on to talk about slave or free, a direct reference to an economic status, an economic reality. You see, in those days, there was a significant gap between the haves and the have-nots. Those who had jobs, had money, had influence, had power, and those that don't. Now, what's funny is, in, uh, and even more incredible, is in Galatians 3.28, he goes on to say, Paul, same guy, says, listen, there is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free. And he goes, There's neither male nor female. Another reference to reality that our identity is in Christ. Now hear me today. Our identity is not found in in any of what I have just discussed. But our identity is found as a follower of Christ. It is found in the fact that he lives in us. And so you can imagine, if we could understand that as the body of Christ, as believers, when we look in the mirror, that changes everything, doesn't it? It transforms the way that we see ourselves. But here's what it also transforms, the way that we see other people. You see, we as followers of Christ, our identity is in him. And scripture says that we are called to be ambassadors of Christ. As if he is making his appeal through us. Scary text, right? He is making his appeal through us. And what he is saying is that we are called to be bridge builders to all people. Our God is a God for all people, regardless of race, class, culture, city that they live on, side of the river, regardless of lifestyle and where they've been. We are called to be a bridge builder to all people. It transforms the way that we see other people. Now hear me. Our identity is not found in where we have been or what we have. It is found in whose we are. Our identity is not found in where we've been, what we have, but it's found in whose we are, and that's in Christ. And I tell you what, I want you to check out this video as we talk about what our identity is in Christ. Check this out.
That's a powerful video, isn't it? Our God wants to transform our identity. He wants to transform our identity. And so today, I don't know what you're finding your identity in, but I want you to know something today. That the levelest ground in the world is at the foot of the cross. All of us are sinners, are in need of a rescuer, in need of a savior. And the great news about our God is this. He doesn't just want to forgive our sins. He wants to transform our life. He wants to transform our desires. He wants to transform our attitudes, our minds, our attitudes. He wants to transform at the very core what we find our identity in because he knows that it's through that that we find great joy and great freedom. Now herein lies the problem. Not all followers of Christ are living transformed lives. And you may ask, Justin, how do you know that? And, and listen, I could, I could quote statistics of male and female percentages of pornography users, both within the church and with outside, you know, outside of the church. I could point to divorce statistics for those of us who gather in church and worship and claim to be followers of Christ and show you how they don't vary that much from, from those that don't. I can point to statistics that within the church, the abuse that is present in the homes, but listen, I'm not going to do any of that today. I'm simply going to tell you this, that I know it's present in the church because that's my story. That's my story. You see, I used to come to church and I would raise my hands in worship and I would celebrate that my God would forgive my sins, that he would, you know, that he was faithful and that his grace was sufficient. But I got to tell you, deep down in my heart, I just wanted to be set free from the very acts and the very patterns of sin in my life. The best analogy I can give you for that is a beach ball. And you know what a beach ball is, right? It's that time of year we're at the beach and we're playing and this particular beach ball is kind of cute. It's got a dog in it, okay? Why you put a dog in a beach ball, I have no idea, but here we are, right? <laughs> but let me ask you this. Have you ever tried to hold a beach ball underwater? You see, at the age of 10, a family member, knowingly or unknowingly, most likely, exposed me to pornography. And so as I'd come into the church and as I would worship and I, people look at me and they'd go, Justin is a passionate follower of Jesus Christ. I mean, certainly he doesn't have any issues. And, you know, I'd work with guys and I'd work with kids and, and, and I would just see incredible fruit. But underneath the surface, I felt like I was trying to hold this beach ball down no, knowing that at any minute, if it were to emerge, that I would be thrown under the bus, that, that, that you know, people would turn their back on me. It was exhausting, really. I mean, if you've been in a pool, you try to hold it down. If you take one hand off to wave, no, no, there it comes. But it was this text today that we're looking at that hit me like a ton of bricks. Now listen, it wasn't because on a whiteboard my, my junk was listed, okay? That wasn't it. It wasn't that it just that, that God convicted me and, and I'm sitting here going, well, man, it talks about your old self and that stuff should be put to death. And it wasn't any of that. It was this passage of Scripture that provided me hope. And the reason for that was, is I felt like God showed me through Paul and through these words that we've read together today how to be set free. Now let me show you that. So each one of us today are on a journey, right? This is us. Now, just to make sure we're all happy, I'll give us some hair, all right? And a smiley face. 
Now, in our culture today, especially in America, we kind of, we like to zoom in on the, the symptoms, right? I mean, if you're sick, it's, do you have itchy eyes, runny nose, um, you know, fatigue, those type of things. So now as we look at this passage of scripture, it's easy just to zoom in on the issues of obedience, right? And we look at this list, and today, and I will tell you in my journey, in my story, I looked at this stuff, and when it came to the issues of things like pornography, I put men around myself, I put structure around myself, I put filters around myself in hopes that it would help me break free. Now listen, I would be honest and I would share that, that I was, you know, issues that I was having, but the reality was is that I was dealing with the symptom of the problem. All of those things are good, by the way. In fact, men, just real quick, if this is an issue that you struggle with today, I'm asking you, I know it's kind of a, a private issue, but I want you to send me an email. My email is justin.barnes, B-A-R-N-E-S, at heritageqc.com. And the reason for that is I want to come alongside you because I know what it's like as a man to have your legs cut out from underneath you and it, and it disqualifies and, and, and you know, just impacts the way that you lead your family, the way that you lead your ministries, the way that you lead your life, knowing that you have this beach ball underwater. So men, if that's you, please reach out to me. Women, you have, the issue is present within women too. It's just as a male, that's kind of who I get to work with, right? But it can be easy to look at the, the symptoms. But really, I think Paul is telling us that this really isn't the first ring on the ladder. Obedience really isn't the first step. And he says in verse two, he says, set your minds on things above. Set your minds on things above. Basically, what he is saying is, listen, do everything you can to know him more. Because what he knows is that we, if we pursue him, if we pursue God, whether it's through his word, through prayer, there's all kinds of things. If you look at the next page of your notes, practical ways in which I connected out on social media and said, hey, how do you connect with God? How do you grow to know him more? Certainly scripture is at the core. Prayer, doing life together. But God knows that if we put ourselves in a position to know him more, that we can't help but fall in love with him. Right? So it's kind of like, it's kind of like when I met my wife. When I met my wife, her mom and I were on staff at a church in Michigan together, and, and I was working with young adults, and, and I heard about this Jesse who was overseas in a mission organization. And, um, you know, it was kind of, the term was running around that we were the divine connection. I had never even met her. I mean, it was a crazy thought, you know what I mean? So the day finally came. She came home, and I walked in the office of the church, and there she was. You know, when we met, and I'm going to tell you, it wasn't love at first sight, or, or so she claims, right? I mean, I know you're shocked. You're like, well, how could she not love him, right? But anyways, let's move on. <laughs> so anyways, not love at first sight, but over the course of a few weeks, I started to spend some time with her brother. And what I would do is at night, I would go to his house, her house, and we would go out for a jog together. Now, once again, I know you're shocked. I'm being truthful today, okay? Now, over the course of time, what I found is I loved going and hanging out with her brother. And I loved the time that we had on the roads running and it was dark so that no one would see us, all that kind of fun stuff. But I also found that I kind of liked that I got to hang out with her, right? And what happened is, is this desire build, kind of grew within me to know her more. I wanted to know what made her tick. I wanted to know what made her smile, what made her, you know, uh, what, what made her cry. I wanted to know the things that she was passionate about and, and what she felt like God was leading her to in her life. And I even wanted to know her fears and the things that hurt her. And the craziest thing happened. Over the course of time, I fell in love with her. 
I fell in love with her. Now the rest is history, right? Two weeks ago, we celebrated seven years of marriage. We have a young son, and, and life is good, you know? But it all started because I was pursuing her and longing to know her. Now I think it's the same with our God. Where he says, listen, if you pursue me and you long to know me, you can't help but fall in love with me. You can't help it because I've created you that way. So as this reality is we pursue him and we long to know him, we will fall in love with him. Now listen, obedience is a funny thing because people obey for one of two reasons. The first is out of fear, right? Think about your job. We have a task list to do. And if you, week on week on weekly basis, you don't complete your task list, you're in danger of losing your job. And so there is a very real picture that if you lose your job, that you can't pay your bills, right? Provide for your family, maybe. And so there is a fear involved there. So out of your fear, sometimes you will obey. But the second reason we obey is out of love. It's out of love. And it's that reason that I believe our God wants us to obey. Now watch this. As we seek to know him and we, we continue to pursue him, who is he? What does he say about us? We fall in love with him. And out of our love for him, we obey. The coolest thing happens when we obey. He blesses us, doesn't he? With things like peace and joy and what happens as a result of him blessing us, we come to know him in a new way. And guess what? You begin to love him and out of that love, you obey. And as you obey, he blesses you and it's this continuous cycle. Now listen, you may look at this diagram and go, well, Justin, so what? What does that mean today? You're telling me that God wants to not only forgive my sins, but he wants to transform my life. What does this diagram have to do? As good of an artist as you are, okay, I appreciate that. But what does this have to do? And I want you to check this out. As much as this is true, the opposite reality is also true. So for me in my life, when I realize that I am dealing with an obedience issue, and I'm not talking about, hear me, all of us, by nature of being humans, we fall short daily on a daily basis from the glory of God. That's what Romans tells us. And God's grace is sufficient and praise God that he forgives our sins. But when it comes to the willful act of disobedience or sin, I've realized over the course of time and by looking at this that I really, okay, I have an obedience problem. But really, my problem is a love problem. Because if you have an obedience problem, really the deeper issue is that you have an issue of love. Now Jesus says it this way in, in John chapter 14 where he says, whoever has my commands and obeys them, he says, he is the one who loves me. He is the one who loves me. And he goes on to say, what well, great promise this is, that he that loves me will be loved by my father and I too will love him and show myself to him. What a great promise, right? But what he is saying is, listen, obedience of, of, of obedience problem is really a love problem. Obedience is really an issue of love. It's really an issue of love. And so today, if you have placed your faith in Christ, can I just ask you today, do you love Jesus? Do you love Jesus? Do you love Jesus? Because it's there, absolutely. Because when you love, you'll obey. Now, some of us today, we say, listen, Justin, maybe, okay, I made a decision, but maybe I don't love him, if I'm honest. And you go, how do I love him more? Simply this, to love him, you have to know him. 
Because when you have an obedience issue, and maybe it's something on this board today, that you can go back and I can find that I have a love issue. But really, if I go a step further, I can realize that when I fall into sin here, and I realize I have a love problem, I can trace it back 100, listen, 100% of the time that I haven't spent time with him. That I haven't spent time with him in his word. I haven't sought him in a while. And, and maybe it's been days. Maybe it's been weeks. It's painful to admit that. But in order to love him, you have to know him. Now hear me. I'm not talking about just the, the, the you know, making a decision to follow Christ. That's great. And we will celebrate that. Trust me, right? We celebrate the cross is lit this week. One person put their faith in Jesus Christ. We will celebrate that. But listen, that's just the beginning of a journey that we get to do together. That's just the beginning of a journey, knowing that our God has called us to be disciples who make disciples who make disciples. And disciples, what they would do is they would spend time with Jesus and they would pursue him and long to know him and spend time with him, wanting to know him more, know what it means. How do I follow you? What are you teaching? And it was an ongoing, consistent walk with Jesus. So if you want to love him more today, Spend time with him. Like I said, on that note page, on the third page, there are a list of ways, practical ways, that you can do that. One person said, when I go out for a jog, I spend that time praying. For me, a practical way is in the morning when I come to work every morning, I turn off the radio and I just pray. Practical. Somebody said, I love to hunt, and so I get up in my tree stand and it's there that I meet with Jesus. Someone said, I love to go out in nature one guy said at work, I, I get my phone out, I pull up my Uversion app, and I, I do my devotional time at lunch. There's all kinds of practical stuff there. But listen, if you want to love Jesus, you have to know him. You have to pursue him. Now watch this. In John 14, or excuse me, John 10, 10, he says, the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But Jesus says, I have come to give you what? Life and give you life to the full. Watch how this works. We pursue him to know him. You know, maybe we read our, we're reading the word, we're at church today and we're learning about him and as a result of that, we fall in love with him and then we go, listen, that whole passage of scripture that talks about not a hint of sexual immorality, I'm going to be obedient in that area and instead of death, I'm going to experience life. You know, rather than porn, rather than, than lust, I'm going to make the decision to make a commitment and do whatever it takes, surround myself with people to, in, that will, one, point me to the cross, point me to scripture. I'm going to pray, and he's going to set me free, and because I want to experience life, I'm going to ask that he transform my mind, evil desires. I'm going to obediently pursue the things of God. Even when the, the desire or the thought comes within me, I'm going to say, no, 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 no. I love my Jesus, and because of that, I'm going to be obedient. You know, greed I'm going to say, listen, in James 1, it says that he is the giver of every good and perfect gift. And rather than focus on what I don't have and wanting more, I'm going to give God praise for what I do have, exchanging death for life. Idolatry, I'm going to take myself off the throne because I love Jesus and I'm going to put him where he belongs, on the throne. Anger, I'm going to respond in kindness. I'm going to trade in death for life. Thank you. No more rage. Malice. All of these things, no way. I'm not going to slander someone else. I'm not going to make up lies. I'm not going to just say crazy things about them because, not because it's a, this list of to-dos, but simply because I love my Jesus. Simply because I have sought him and I love him and I want to live for him in obedience. I'm going to tell you what, as a church, if we could get this, it'll not only transform our lives, it'll transform our region. It'll transform our country. It'll transform our world because our God 
doesn't just want to forgive your sins. He wants to transform your life. So today, are you living a transformed life? Are you living a transformed life? Now to close, there's one of two things I want to ask you to do. The first is this. Ask yourself today, have you made a decision to give your life to Christ? To die and to let him live in you? The reality is I know some of us walk in here today or one of our campuses and we come in and we're longing to be set free. There's addictions in our life and there's, there's things that we just want to break free from and we've tried and we've tried and we've tried and we've tried and we want to be free. Or maybe you walk in and you're saying, I just want my life to be transformed. I want to live differently. I want my marriage to be saved and I know that it starts with me. And I want you to know today the first step is to make a decision to give your life to Christ. The gospel is this, that God loves you with a relentless love, that he did whatever it took to make a way for him to have a relationship with you, sending his son to pay the price for your sins. And he is sitting here waiting with arms wide open saying, today's the day, would you come to me? For some of us who have made decisions to follow Christ, and we're sitting here today with beach balls under the water, my question for you is, what will you do to know him more this week? To fall deeply and madly in love with him? Because listen, Today, what God wants to do is not just continue to forgive your sins. Praise God for his grace. You with me on that? Praise God for his grace. But what he is saying is, listen, I want to set you free. (laughs) I want to set you free. So today is a day for some of us that it's a recommitment to say, Jesus, I'm going to put you first. I'm going to follow you. And for all of us today, here's my ask. If today you walk into church and you are struggling with something that you are longing to be set free from, I want you to take the tear out off on your your worship folder. Take that tear off off. I just want you to write what that thing is. Because as a church, as a pastoral team, as a pastoral staff, we want to come alongside you and pray because we want to see God transform your life. Don't be mistaken. We as a pastoral team are on a journey as well. But we want to pray as well for you that God would transform your life. So as we close today, I'm going to ask you to stand with me at each of our locations. Stand right where you're at. Here in a moment, a prayer is going to come up on the screens. And what I'm going to ask us to do as a church family is we're going to pray this out loud together. And for some of us today, this will be the first time that we say this prayer. It's not magical words. It's a faith that comes with it in which we are acknowledging, listen, we are sinners and we have fallen short, God, but praise you that you sent the rescuer to set us free, to forgive our sins. Now, for some of you that pray that for the first time, I want you to know there is a rejoicing going on. But I'm going to ask you to fill out your tear-off card and check that you made a decision. For some of us, it's a day to recommit and put Jesus back to where he should have been all along, first in your life, on the throne. And I ask that you would note that, not so that we can stalk you, but so we can come alongside and celebrate with you. Because I'm going to tell you what, you're beginning the most beautiful journey, the coolest journey that you have ever been on. Because our God doesn't just want to forgive your sins. He wants to set you free. He wants to set you free. He wants to transform your life. So let's pray this together. Dear Lord Jesus, I know that I am a sinner, and I ask for your forgiveness I believe you died for my sins and rose from the dead. And I trust and follow you as my Lord and Savior. Transform my life and help me to do your will. I give all that I am to all of you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, 
God, I thank you that you are a God that doesn't just want to forgive our sins. As great a news as that is, Lord, it is humbling to know that you have made a way to reconcile us, to present us holy in your sight, without blemish, free from accusation. But God, I thank you that you want to set us free, that you want to transform our lives. And God, my prayer today is for each of us as we walk through these doors. Lord, I pray if there's something today that, you are, that we are longing for you to set us free from, that today would be the day that today would be the day that we made a decision to say, I'm going to seek to know you and to fall in love with this God and with his son, Jesus Christ. So Father, I celebrate what you have done and I believe great days are ahead, not just for Heritage Church, but the Big C Church, the church at large. God, lead us to a place of living, transformed lives so that we can live sent and that we can see a community, a region, a nation, a world transformed. God, we celebrate you because you are worthy. We give you thanks in Jesus' name. Everyone said, amen. amen.